0: Mac Football Pod, Caleb, it's the end of the 2021 season, as of uh, tomorrow. We're recording on Sunday. We always record on Sunday. This comes out on Monday though, and tonight's gonna be the Mac Champ, not the Mac Championship. Dang it! This is the second time I'm doing it, but I'm leaving it in there. This is the national championship rematch of the SEC championship, Bama, Georgia. As much as I want to take the, the the talk seriously, because I do enjoy talking about football seriously with you. Uh, outside of the Mac, who would win in a fight: eleven bulldog-sized elephants or eleven
1: ele- uh, elephant-sized bulldogs? I would pick the uh, elephant-sized bulldogs because uh, bulldogs are uh, big doofuses, mm-hmm. and I love them, and I would never pick against them.
0: Yeah, the thing is, is that no matter they could be as big as elephants, right? But they're still bulldogs and elephants are still elephants even if they're the size of bulldogs so i think in the case scenario where you had to like pit those two up against each other i think the elephants would be smart and all team up against one bulldog at a time while the other like nine like they they work in shifts right if you have like 11 bulldogs like nine are sleeping and then the other two are you know on call they're working right they're taking care of things. Okay. well this
1: this is like a 100 HP Pokemon versus one the of them, one of the
0: awake ones isn't taking this thing seriously, and the other one is getting its ass whipped by 11 elephants. If there's any blood at all involved in a fight between said elephants of any size versus said bulldogs of any size, the bulldogs are running away, elephants are sticking through it. And I hope that's true because I kind of want to bet Georgia. But the thing is, I already grabbed uh, a parlay earlier in the week that has Bama winning pretty big, so I kind of like need to stick to it. Well, oh,
1: he says he's got a parlay.
0: Yeah, I took like an alternate over and an alternate point spread in Bama's favor by. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, Bama big, please.
1: Money, please, money, now. Money, please!
0: Now, National Championship, of course, it's not going to see Cincinnati. Cincinnati did get a seat at the table. Uh, you don't have to like the seating if you don't want to. Uh, the point is that getting into the playoff is what matters, ultimately. And they got in. They didn't handle it because Bama's Bama. Blah, 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 blah. That's not really a topic I want to have. Because a lot of the topic is that, well, now that we're at the National Championship game, it should be the two best teams in America. One, are we getting it? Two, is the regionality of these two teams in the national championship good for the sport? And I think when I saw the second question floating around a little bit, I thought that was a little bit of a stretch to like really claim. Yes, it's a, sure. co- it's a little bit of coincidence, but it has not been a secret over the course of my lifetime. Caleb, I turned 30 this year. It has not been a secret over the course of my lifetime that that is where the best football has been played. Yes. Like, cool. why, like, why is that even a thing that people are bitching about? Do people, like, nobody watches
1: Pac-12. Why do they care? Like, oh, there's
0: no USC in there this year.
1: Yeah, and I, I get the, 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 the proposition supposedly that, like, oh, if we had a playoff, we could make it regionally based and that, that championship excitement would last <laughs> through the season because if you have the potential to make the playoff as a team that's really only like the 12th or 13th best team or 14th best team in the country, then you have a a reason to be really excited all year. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know that that justifies putting a team that has no business competing for a championship in it.
0: Yeah. Like this should, this should be like the ultimate boss (laughs) level.
1: sorry to cut you off. Uh, in the end, like I still like the idea of a, of a tournament more just because it sounds more fun to me personally. So I'm, I'm probably going to be like, yeah, frick it, let's just get to 12 teams because the possibilities sound fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's more of my own personal interest.
0: Yeah, I mean, like in the end, like if you're watching this game on Monday night, no matter how we got here, like you're still going to have to cross this Monday night no matter what. And if you're look, tuning in and hoping for the best football college football has to offer, I think you're getting it. I really do think you're getting it like Bama is Bama and Georgia has the most elite front seven again over the course of my lifetime. Is that true?
1: Probably. Uh, I mean, they've got the best defense that a uh, college football team has fielded in quite a while.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. All of the cornerbacks aren't great enough. Yeah. Dude, Nicobe Dean, like goddamn, like what a generational linebacker. Like, He's making me remember how football should be played. I love love watching him, Jordan Davis, at all play. But, yeah. uh, It'll be a great one. It'll be really, really good. Uh, I could go very far into talking about it, but I don't think we should really do Mm -hmm. that. Uh, Who are we to talk about that when we have so much action to talk about, kind of? It's our last episode of 2021 season, of course. And I figured, you know what? We have all winter. We have all spring. We have all summer to talk about what we're not going to see yet into preview and what to expect. But this, let this be our final piece. Let this be our final opportunity to say what we want to say about what happened in 2021. Maybe we're going to repeat some things that we've said a thousand times over, but you know what? In listening back to all these recordings that I've done as the editor of the show too, we missed out on a lot of, like a lot of things just like went unsaid in this thing. I don't know if we really got into the weeds of say, Kanata Mumfield. I know I mentioned him once, but, like, god damn, man, he was probably a Mac freshman of the year snub. So, stuff like that. Uh, We have a list of talking points that we may or may not hit on. Uh, God, man, there's a long list here. But, Caleb, uh, I do want to start with you generally, you know. The 2021 season is over, will be ending. Uh, What are your thoughts on how mac went, knowing what you know, and so on and such forth?
1: You know where's your heart at well it gave us obviously the miracle team and niu and that was a fun aspect of all of it and for them to cap the year i don't know bucking the trend and you know having playing every like close game and then the mac championship game just being like no we're the best game we're gonna smack down anybody that had any doubt uh that was fun obviously uh you have, you have your teams like Toledo and Western that played down to expectations again and gave us a lot of reason to just make fun of Tim Western and Jason Candle and that and those groups, even knowing that they're fully good enough to like have the players to win a championship and the same kind of tired tropes come up and we got a chance to play into that all year on their episodes. and uh, EMU made things fun. Ohio made me sad all the time. Uh, but we got to sit here and be kind of confused by Buffalo and by Miami and uh, you know, BG and Akron made us a little bit excited for a half of a moment, and then we kind of just went in, and then it's over. Uh, a lot of what's going on in the offseason is going to be exciting again this year. Personally, I think uh, EMU looking for another quarterback is going to be really interesting. I think Central figuring out what they're doing after losing some big transfers is going to be a big moment. Buffalo, mm-hmm. we have to figure out if Buffalo is going to figure out that running back spot, and if they're going to take the right step back to where they were before. So there's a lot to be excited and interested in this offseason. Kent State's got to find their next quarterback. There'll be a lot of questions asked of them and how they can get back to where where they got this year. Do they,
0: Do they though? I mean, they gave Dustin uh, – not Dustin – Uh Schley. Like, they gave him a lot of snaps, like, in season. Some of it was in garbage time, sure, but – you know, he did get handles and he did look confident when he played for Kent State, and they don't really like half ass it when the sa- second stringers get into their games either. So uh I don't know. It seems like they've put a lot of trust into the this kid that they recruited over the I think it was like the twenty nineteen signing period. Well he so
1: he was uh where was he at? He was at He was in the before not No, he was in the D M V area. area.
2: Yeah. Mm
0: mm. What's that? Colin Slee was a high school signee. He was out of the D.M.V. area. Oh, for some reason I thought he was a transfer.
1: Yeah, well, he's yeah. I'm looking back through the stats, and it's like okay, saw some time against uh, Western and against Miami. Yeah, nothing major, but I don't know. The right? Yeah, yeah, nothing major, but like,
0: I mean, I mean, to your point, like the the next quarterback isn't like oh well, this guy is so good. Like, how could it not be him? You know, but I'm saying like, well, maybe, I mean, he has been groomed to the system. He's been there long enough. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if they, it, this is an answer we'll find out on whether or not there's activity going towards any transfer quarterbacks, right? Like if they're, if, you know, Sean Lewis isn't trying to go after any transfer quarterbacks this cycle right now, then yeah, he feels very confident initially, but if sure. he's going to be active right now, then yeah, then that's our
1: answer. Yeah. they've got a they've got a freshman quarterback named Gage Mitchell who was West Virginia's player of the year um, year before last. So there's at least a couple spots of guys who actually have something of a pedigree. Uh, they have a quarterback from Solon, Ohio. Looks like he is kind of more of like the maybe maybe like the walk-on type or the uh, they do they do they did go hard after some quarterbacks. So I mean they got a couple they got freshmen from Mentor, Ohio from Solon, Ohio. Uh, from West Virginia, they got a quarterback from Georgia. Name's Griffin Brewster. He's a sophomore.
2: He actually played
1: against VMI a little bit. So I think of the guys who played. Colin Schley played and Brewster played. I think that's it. So yeah, I mean, I have to mention Schley's interested, but I think what my, my mindset was is any team that is that can be good right now. And if they aren't 100 percent confident in their quarterback, it's always interesting. It's now going to be interesting every year to see do they go after a transfer. Right. Yeah. But I do think you, it sounds like from what you're saying that there's a there's definitely a reason to believe that Schley will be the quarterback next year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Like we always have to just like keep our eyes on the transfer portal. Um, maybe like one way they could do that. Maybe like count they trust Colin Schley. And I'm kind of just like leaning into this because I just wrote about it because it just happened to Eastern. With Ben Bryant, who is transferring back to Cincinnati after being Eastern starter for a year, Um, I don't think that should be the most surprising thing in the world. That you know, the math adds up. Like he's he came in with two years of eligibility. Everybody knew that Desmond Ritter was gonna play twenty twenty one and then go pro afterwards, Um, and it kind of makes sense if you are in his you know in his position where you are thinking about like I have all this talent, right? I could be starting. Of course I'm not because Desmond's really good. Nope no how no, you know nothing wrong with that. Um as much as I could ride this thing out and like hang out with my friends and uh, go to the playoff and all that, maybe go to the playoff, who knows? Uh, I could instead get more experience elsewhere to a you know, a position that has younger guys on the roster that just aren't there yet, with Baron May and Austin Smith incoming you know, there's gonna be sophomores this year for Eastern, right? And Ben Bryant, he gets the experience that he wants, goes there for a year, has the grad experience he needs, and now he's back at Cincinnati. That could be a playbook that other quarterbacks that are like, you know, I'm QB2 right now, the guy in front of me is, you know, incoming transfer with one year to play, is a senior that's going to play finally, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think I'm ready, but like, I just can't prove it here. Maybe I should head out to San Jose State. You know, maybe I should head out to UMass. Because every team's essentially like a pretty talented quarterback away from, if not winning their division, then at least like being in the middle of the pack, right? So I mean, that could be a move for more quarterbacks to, you know, look for. And if Kent State's in that position where like, we like Collins Lee, we don't 100% love where he's at. We want to keep him around for 2022 or 2023, rather, you know, longer, longer term. But we need someone else to lead the team right now in 2022. I think that could be a move that they can go after, you know, a Ben Bryant type. And that's just not Kent State. That's like you know, more pregnant more yeah. more programs <laughs> moving forward.
1: That doesn't seem like something that they're gonna. I off. not think it's something they're gonna do.
0: Mm-hmm. Looking at some other questions that we have on this list, what was what was the most? We're gonna make it really bad. What was the most disappointing part of the twenty twenty one season? I'm gonna start with uh, just the way that the Cure Bowl ended. That shit sucked. That really hurts. Like that hurts like the whole league moving forward. I, I did not like that. And that was not like a, a Mac player or a Mac coach shooting themselves in the foot to, like, cost them a chance at the division. That was totally in the ref's hands, and that just screwed over a Mac champion. Like, And the and you know, just to, like, carry over, like, the conversation we had last week for, like, ESPN to just, like, gloss over it and just, like, oh, all the Bulls don't matter to all these other kids, but, like, this one clearly does. It's just that that all of that is just very disappointing to me.
1: Well, as far as I go, I think uh, the combined efforts of Buffalo and Ball State was the most disappointing because you're looking at two teams mm-hmm. that returned a lot of the frame. Obviously, like Buffalo didn't have Jared Patterson back, but you're looking at two teams that largely had a lot of the same framework that made the MAC championship game last year, even in a shortened season, even in like a particularly weird season. Buffalo goes two and six in the conference, four and eight overall.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Ball, Ball State has almost the same team, goes six and seven, four and four. I knew it was a possibility. Ball State wouldn't be as good because all the all the everything just kind of lined up perfectly for the MAC championship season a year ago. But going four and four is still really disappointing, regardless of like the, the West being better than the East and and uh, and you know just maybe not having as much talent as a few other teams at the top of the uh, at the top of the West or whatever. So yeah. it's yeah. I mean, Ball State having a losing record, returning what they did is kind of it's pretty disappointing
0: oh yeah yeah i yeah i'm 100 percent with you there yeah that's that's actually a really good answer what about um if you had to pick a runner-up is ohio on there is ohio your runner-up for most disappointing thing in 2021
1: they probably could be but i didn't have expectations for them this season anyway i thought they were going to be uh i thought they would be like five and seven or like six and six or whatever um and they, were just, they just were a little bit worse than that because this transition year with the Albin feels like it was destined to be bad. Yeah. And they were at times worse than I thought they could be. So it was kind of like, wow, this is a really bad team. So the disappointing aspect of it didn't really factor in as much. So much as it, I quickly was like, this is going to be a bad year. And then it just got really bad really quickly. So it was less disappointing, more just like, okay, wow, this is where we're at. Mm-hmm. This is we
0: are bad now. Okay. Guess that's fair. That is fair. Uh Canada Mumfield, I said his name a little bit ago. Uh Canada Mumfield. Should he have been the Mac Freshman of the Year? The dude so Jay Ducker, of course, he is good. We're totally on his side. Uh he didn't play the whole year like Canada Mumfield did. You know, Mumfield was a a full year starter. Um produced in every game that he played finished the year with 63 receptions, 751 yards, eight touchdowns. Um Mumfield was really really incredible. Hit the transfer portal after his true freshman year. And where he, at Akron he was the only like like Akron was the only school to offer him out of high school too. So keep that in mind. And then now he's hot. Everybody's on him. Uh was getting offers from like all these P5 schools ultimately ended up at Pitt. Really, really sucks that he can't, you know, be a holdover for the Joe Moorhead roster. Um, but here we are, Kanata Mumfield. We didn't appreciate you enough while you were here in school. Uh, but should he have been the Mac Freshman of the Year over Jay Ducker instead?
1: I think if you're looking at what you expect guys to do for a winning team, it definitely makes sense, and it was justified that Ducker won Mac Freshman of the Year. But I think Mumfield was like the top freshman perform like he his capabilities what he displayed on the field showed that he was like the best Mac freshman yeah uh, I think as far as production and what he provided to a, a Mac championship run Ducker earned it I think that's fair to say but Mumfield legitimately I mean as far as freshman in the go, looked like the best player in that freshman class and I don't really think I actually think it was a pretty – I think there was actually a decent margin. I think it was a decent margin, honestly. I think Mumfield was like a decent bit, maybe significantly better as an all-around performer than Ducker. Mm -hmm. But it gets lost in the wash of Akron having a poor season, a coaching change, and not having a lot of attention directed their way. So it's just kind of – his name gets lost. But coaches looking at the film sure as hell didn't miss that. There's a reason. He's getting offers from places like USC, and he's going to Pitt – 'Cause he's probably thinking, Okay, I can be really productive in this offense given what they did, and I can play at a high level. So, yeah, I mean I think he was the the best Mac freshman performer. I also think that Ducker probably earned it given his contributions to a championship winning team.
0: Yeah, but it sounds like we're having this like M V P versus Player of the Year conversation and like the title does say Mac freshman of the year. Like in my eyes it is. It is not about the value of, like, what he brought to the team. It is about how good of a 18-, 19-year-old are we putting on the field right now. And Kanata Mumfield is the best young guy we put on the field in Maction. I, I, to me, that's, like, what it should have come down to. But, I mean, at the time, I obviously, like, was not the most upset about that. I think I cared at the time more about, like, why is Dustin Crumb like, the Offensive player of the year, or the MV or the Vern Smith Leadership Award, the winner. Like, what the hell? Um, but yeah, uh, I'm Team Kanata on that one, but I do love Jay Ducker, Team Jay
1: Ducker in life. Uh, is, is he still yeah, like uncommitted and I, and I mean, out
0: there? Do you know?
1: As far as I know, yes. Okay. And I do want to make note I mean, Mumfield, 10 receptions, 109 yards against Miami, uh, 11 receptions, 122 yards, uh, two touchdowns against Western Michigan. Uh, he had three receptions in every game except for the Toledo game, like at least three receptions in every game but the Toledo game. So he was consistent, three receptions. I mean, it's not like he piled up a ton of yards. He didn't go for like 30 yards every reception or anything like that. But, you know, seven receptions against Ohio State, three receptions against Auburn. He played – he was a factor against every good team they played.
0: Yeah, So like th- this is like the production that he should be having with a returning Tion on Dollard. And Akron was missing that, and they needed somebody consistent to step up on the offensive side of the ball. And Kanata Mumfield, by all accounts, was pretty much the only one to do it. They went through how many yeah. quarterbacks? They went through how many quarterbacks?
1: Well, they went through Nelson. They went through Zach Gibson. They went through... Uh, Irons. DJ Irons. Not DJ Irons. Yeah. Wait, DJ Irons? Yep, Yeah, DJ Irons. Um, So... I think they – Gibson did in, in, in the portal, right? He's still there?
0: Uh, Georgia Tech.
1: Oh, he went in the portal?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Gibson went to Georgia Tech. I think his younger brother is a signee there too, so.
1: I honestly – it's still – you know, given Georgia Tech's like a lower level ACC school, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if they found a way on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, because that dude fucking loves the ball. Like every time I think about Zach Gibson, I think about how fired up he was to be having any level of success while Akron was largely getting its ass kicked. So it I have a real soft spot for that, dude. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Who are the five best coaches in the MAC?
1: Oh, Jesus. Um,
0: in fairness, I don't have a total
1: list right now, either. Well, now I gotta... Do they have to be in order or just five?
0: Ah, five. I'll give you five. I'm not. Even, I'm not gonna make you pin to it unless you wanna. Unless you wanna get fun with it.
2: Okay. Well,
1: Jim McElwain has to be up there, and Chris Creighton has to be up there for what he gets out of the team every year. Chuck Martin. Sean mm. Lewis.
0: See that? That's oof. depending on where you sit. That is uh, the the Doug the Chuck Martin. I almost said Doug Martin. Chuck Martin. At uh, hmm, interesting. Because a lot of people are okay, so like, Thomas get this guy out of here. I think like North Texas was his first like non-con win at Miami. <laughs> non-con FBS.
1: So to finish that off, Thomas Hammack, Jim McElwain. Chuck Martin, John Lewis, Chris Creighton, and then the next, if I had to pick a next one, if somebody, if it was like on the borderline and I had to toss and it was like this or somebody else, it'd be Mike New.
0: See, I'm kind of, I was thinking about this question when I wrote it in there and I'm kind of leaning towards Mike New 1? Like, it's like, my, the two coaches I would like throw up for like number one coach in the Mac are Mike new and Thomas hammock. Um, I haven't seen enough like Joe Moorhead. He's not in the equation right now. Doesn't Mm -hmm. he is a zero, um, not a one or 11. He's zero. Um, Mike New, of course, won the Mac in 2020 Thomas hammock, of course, 2021, uh, ball state didn't have the best 2021 season. Of course. Uh, we just talked about all that. But he's still keeping things together. Like, the culture is still in place. And I don't think that football-wise it's just outright terrible. And, like, these guys just look really bad. Like, the Mac West is a mess. It always has been. And, like, in a full season um, when players are actually able to, like, prepare and all that stuff with their newcomers as opposed to when 2020 happened when, like, 2020, like, it was a perfect storm for Ball State to, like, finally, you know, climb up and get that, that trophy for the first time in a while, um, first time in the new era. I think that Ball State, even though, like, the offense was, like, pretty inefficient and the defense had more gaps that it allowed players to run through than it did against Jared Patterson, I don't know, I still think that Ball State's, like, like, things haven't totally blown up, though you know like he's not <clears throat> sure. he's not losing a ton of players to the transfer portal he's losing a lot of players to graduation which is unfortunate with the results that he had but still has that that championship to like to lean on and how he got there in the first place was a really good job that I think you know like that was a very long and thought out build up to that 2020 season pandemic or not um so i think that still has some credence and the fact that he still has of all places, Ball State going in a good direction after his sixth year, I believe. I'm really bad at keeping up like that. Um, I think that speaks for itself. Hammock, you know, of course, he just won the MAC with like one of the youngest rosters, if not the youngest roster in college football. Um, that speaks mm-hmm. for itself. Now I just need to see what happens after that. Because if you would have asked me this question last year, yeah, Mike New, of course, is number one. But, like, well, maybe Lance him. but I digress. Um, I don't know. I just I just got to see what happens after this, you know, like, with especially with, like, the Jay Ducker thing. Um, a lot of the success came from, you know, Clint Rakovich and, like, the culture that he was able to bring. Now that they lose a guy that fits Hammock's personality a lot, you know, what happens to this roster afterwards? You know, what are the changes of college football going to happen um, through NIU? So it's just a question that I have moving forward, and I kind of feel safer with what New has been able to show uh, with his program post-championship. And Hammock's still kind of new to that part of the game.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the biggest question mark for me with New is obviously taking such a dip when having – the returning unit you had. Yeah, it oh yeah, that feel, was, man,
0: don't get me wrong. That record was pretty bad considering.
1: I mean, it almost feels like a fluke, even though any team winning a conference championship is not really a fluke because right. you had to get there. You had to find a way to get there. Then yeah. you had to win. So it, It's really it, it hard to feels, get guys
0: motivated for that second championship too.
1: Like, that's real fucking hard. It feels like they'll never be, as far as news there, Like I feel like they will not get back there again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's ki- that's kind of why I uh, knew is lower on my list. Not because he's a bad coach, because he's not. Uh, it's just it's given like the circumstances, given how good of a class they had to have to get to the MAC championship game, and then to not do it with the same guys, it makes me feel like they probably won't do it again. Uh, and I think I think it's it's definitely worth saying that as far as like ranking a top five, you easily could put Jason Candle or Tim Lester in there. But given the amount of time I spend talking about how they underperformed to their expectations, it right. kind of skews my perception. I think I, I can even admit this. It, it skews my perception of how good of coaches they are mm-hmm. because I'm always expecting better of them, but you don't usually get it. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean like, like all the good that we could have talked about like Lester and Candle or like – Usually kind of like one-to-one because they're kind of competing against each other the same way where they're recruiting prep talent at like such a better level than like the rest of the Mac field is. You know, and like the wins, regular season wins are like normally there, but the number of times that, that like either of those schools are like hoisting up trophies at the end of the year is pretty slim. Um, just not proportionate to like the recruiting rankings of players that they bring in usually. Um, so I, yeah, like I'm, I'm totally with you there. Like, it's just like, okay, you're got, you guys are good, but what the fuck? Like, why can't you just put it all together? Either one of you, like, I want to believe in you guys, but why can't I? I think if I had to pick one or the other, I would pick just based on the job that he's done.
2: year?
0: I, I don't know. But like, yeah, that, Kendall have does too. have the one trophy, right? He does like in his, was that his first year? Yeah, it was his first year. Um, as the actual head coach rather than the offensive coordinator for Toledo. But ever since then, it really just has, like, bottomed out. Westerns, at least, you know, if they've bottomed out, they've con- been consistently decent at it. <laughs> um, and I do like the players that lester has been able to, like, bring in and groom. I don't know. I I just... They really are just, like, kind of the same guy, though. It's not... And, and, like, what what else can I say? Like, you know, and, like, over, like, the course of the years as coaches, right, they have both have, like, seen things that have gone wrong with their, their teams, right? Western had, like, right after or, like, right before a, a really bad Ball State game a few years ago, they got rid of the defensive coordinator because, like, you can't have that performance anymore, right? And then Toledo, kind of recently, they replaced its quarterback coach, right? And they've both made, like, other changes since then, but those are just two examples for each, right? They've made assistant pool changes over the years to improve their teams moving forward, which I value. I think that's a good thing of it's a good hard thing about coaching that like they can identify where the weaknesses are and like make those hard choices on the coaching front. But again, who's the one that won the MAC championship games in front of them? Mike New. Thomas Hammock. And we think highly of like Chris Creighton, you know, Jim McElwain. So it's I I just I don't ultimately know where like how good of a job that I think either of those guys, you know, have done, because like we can't just lean on recruiting rankings at the end of the day. Uh, I didn't give a list though. I didn't, I didn't do that at all, did I? Uh, <laughs> damn it! No. I've, I've been avoiding it too long. I'm gonna go Mike New, <laughs> Thomas Hammock, uh, Homer, pick Chris Creighton, Chuck Martin. I can be bought out for my number five. Who, who, uh, who should I say for number five? Mm. I like the job that Mo Lindquist has done so far, but like it's just too short sample size. I'm sorry, you're a zero.
1: Just like mm. no, like, Linguist oh. is not up there. He could get there very quickly. Right? So no,
0: I, I no. I'm just. I'm not. I, I'm just trying to like think out loud of other coaches. I haven't said like, uh, well, there's one I'm avoiding. Jim um, McElwain. Yeah, Mc, yeah, McElwain. You're right. You did turn the team around from 111 to Mac West champs. I gotta give it to you, Jim McElwain. That's 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 a sign of a really good coach. I don't see anybody else really doing that. So I go Mike Neal, I mean, I- Chris Creighton, Chuck Martin, Mac.
1: And for whoever is complaining about Pleasant, we all need to get over it because Dude had them playing as good a football as anybody in the conference. And if, you know, they, they clean up the simple stuff against Northern, they're playing for the MAC championship. So, um, you know, it's not a reason, they're not better than Northern because they effed it up. But good Lord, like they were almost in a position to do it again. They had the best, they had the top producing running back in the country. Like get over yourselves if you think McElwain isn't doing it for you.
0: Maxion moment of the year, Caleb. What was the max moment of the year? Last year when we did it on our like, uh, defunct YouTube channel, it was – God, which which one was it? It was either one of two times that Western Michigan was involved, right? Either the Ball State finish or the Toledo game, probably the Toledo game. Um,
1: yeah, the finish to the Toledo game, like the Jalen Hall touchdown and uh, some of those plays that Eskridge made. Right. Yeah. And then the MAC championship game, Jimmy, Jimmy Dahl returning that ball. I don't, the block really,
0: I don't really know if there is, like, a huge match-in moment, I, I guess, other than, like... Jared Patterson. <laughs> like, like, this year, like, it was all defined by NIU's improbable come-up in championship. I guess it is just, like, when they actually did beat the snot out of Kent State in Detroit.
1: Yeah, but, and that works for an answer. I also think uh, Trayvon Rudolph's... 326 yard receiving game <laughs> Damn. even Big in the loss game, yeah. I think that's pretty memorable I mean they're just like oh we lost our best wide receiver okay how about our, our second best wide receiver just goes for 326 receiving yards <laughs> and then Jack Sorensen like did like almost the same thing he almost had I think he had like almost 300 yards against Ohio which we always knew Sorensen was capable of that type of shit because he's fucking awesome
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Great answer. Didn't think about that.
1: Um, was that also
0: in? Was that like Kent State part one? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Otherwise,
1: uh, I also look at Lou Nichols having one of those, what uh, his like a uh, forty or oh, yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
1: 40 rush two hundred and twenty yard games where you just like give it to him, give it to him, give it to him. It's not so sexy, but it's just it's so fun to look back on.
0: Yeah, that was yeah that Central Western game was really good. Um the NFL is going to be coming up and I guess that's going to be a talk, you know, the the way I like to dub it is like college football's actual graduation party. Um, you know, number of Mac guys are going to be involved. We don't have to get too deep in the weeds of there, but it has to be asked now because we're going to be asking it a bunch later. Uh, any of these guys that you think have like really great potential, best chance of being drafted highly, um, Any other impressions that might leave a mark for you? You know, we got Khalil Pimpleton. We got Brian Kovac on here. Caleb Ellaby, Central's offensive lineman. uh, Dustin Crum. What do we think about Dustin Crum's senior season? Because, you know, he could have gone pro last year and decided not to. He came back, didn't statistically have, you know, as great of a year that he was hoping to. But, you know, does have the awards to walk away from was like the max MVP, such on and such forth. Uh, won the east mm-hmm. you know what do we think about you know his decision to come back unlike tyree jackson who just caught an nfl touchdown pass last night
1: good for that big guy and for sticking to it too right like, hell yeah
0: man he has to dude love football he could have
1: quit several years ago
0: yeah man he could he could have quit when he got cut the first time the second time he could have quit when he was like cardale jones back up in the xfl uh, he could have quit when, I don't know if he made the 53 man roster for Philly right out of the gate, but like, man, he, like, it's week 18 and he just now caught his first pass and touchdown. Like, hell yeah, man. I love you for that. Hell yeah. Tight end was always your true calling. But he did not go back to college for, you know, his grad transfer year. Uh, instead, he went pro. A lot of people had problems with that. Dustin Crum, you know, I, conversely, Came back to school for his final year, and I don't know. Like I don't love him any more than I did at this point last year. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, Mac guys going to the NFL. What are your thoughts? Who do you love?
1: Well, I think so. We have to. I'm just going to start it off. It's a name that I even wasn't even intimately familiar with, but is getting a lot of love. Is Bernard Ryman uh, from Central? Big old like he's like 310 pounds. He's getting a lot of love. I saw Jim Nagy was giving some love for his potential. He is from, I believe, Austria. So he's like raw prospect who has a lot of potential, who performed really well for Central this year. And he's getting a lot of love. Some people projecting him as high, second-round pick. I don't think he's going to go that high, but uh, that was like a possibility for him. So that's kind of cool to think that Central could have another freaking offensive lineman going high in the draft. Um, There has been definitely some success there in that respect. And Paging... You know, Joe Staley, Paging, Eric Fisher. So mm-hmm. uh, they're basically just in, in, in the minds of a lot of coaches at the next level. They're thinking, okay, Central turns out offensive lineman. Let's take a look at this guy. So he's going to be up there. Um, do you want me to run off a few names or do you want to um, weigh in on that?
0: Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, Ryman is really good. Like he's been consistent. He, he wasn't a secret heading into the year. Shouldn't be a secret going into draft season. Uh, yeah, just incredible player, and you are correct, from Austria. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't – yeah, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Plus anybody off.
2: Talk about whoever uh,
1: – So, well, okay, we mentioned Crum, and I think Crum having worked in a system that really needed the quarterback to be productive and uh, be the guy who leads the offense entirely. Like obviously, a quarterback does that, but it's, it's a little bit different if Dustin Crum has a bad year, because if Dustin Crum has a bad year, Kent State's like three and nine. So – Uh, A lot of pro teams are going to look at him and they're going to be like, okay, is he a suitable backup? Can he learn an offense? And it looks like he probably can can handle more in terms of a more complicated offense is my thought. And so he's got a strong enough arm. He's got uh, success. So I think he could be a decent backup in the NFL. It's just a matter of finding the right fit and being coached up the right way. Mm -hmm. So I think he could go late. And if he doesn't, then he's got his pick to get into a good situation. And there's a lot of NFL teams right now that really need a reliable backup. Yeah. Um, now more than ever.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't need to be the one to tell you that, like, I don't think quarterbacks are going to be picked uh, first round, day one. I don't think that's going to happen this year. Yeah. Um, if there are, like, definitely not to the extent of five in the first, like, first round, hell no. Um, so, I don't know. I don't read – I'm not going to read a lot of mock drafts this year um just i don't find i I don't want i don't want my eyes to see it um but i will have my own projections for these players on this podcast so do stay tuned for that um for dustin crumb i'll just kick it off with him uh dustin crumb i got him as a day two guy got him as a day two guy i think i think he fits uh, i think he fits what you're exactly what you're saying a good football player not good enough for day one good enough for day two though that's Shit, man. I, no one ever calls me on day two.
1: Let's see. Caleb Alabay is going to have a chance to go like the very end. I don't think he will be drafted, but I think he'll get a look late mm. in the draft because of his arm strength and his just. He showed the flashes of just throwing yeah. a really, really great deep ball. He didn't have the chance to really flourish in the offense that was more directed towards like intricate play calling and, and, uh, like, you know, I don't know how to say it. Like, I mean, when we talk about the the RPO stuff they were throwing, like, he's throwing slants and uh, throwing, like, simple routes. Yeah, he was RPO'd solving. to
0: death, man. Like, that offense, I, I just don't agree with how Western's offense was run. I know we've talked about it before. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that LB should have been that. I really think Western should have just, like, spent more time fucking around with route combos and just, like, mm-hmm. yes, we will be passing. Yes, we're in pass protection. Yes, there's only going to be five guys blocking for you, but we got five guys downfield for you. Go have fun, to Caleb Elby. This is why we recruited you. I don't think he was recruited because oh he's great at re- reading defensive ends and linebackers. That you know should I hand it off or should I throw it out to you know the guy in the bubble screen? Like that's not. Anyways, side tangent. That's not why. Yeah, I... yeah, yeah. That's not why they got him. They. Should... I don't think they used him right. Um, you know there was the thought like oh you know we had more eligibility he could have you know, could have played more. Could he have transferred out? I think he had like two years of eligibility left. Um, I believe could he have transferred out and like, you know, hit the transfer portal, go to a good system, find the right coach, do all that. And then like be better spiced up for the NFL. You know, that's a school of thought, you know, it's the same thing we're, we're saying about Tyree Jackson and shit like that. Uh, but here's the thing. It's way easier said than done. Like it's way easier said than done to like hit the transfer portal Find a new coach that you like, that you trust, that's going to get you to where you want to be. And then in the end, after a year, after two years of, you know, bullshitting at uh, Good State U, you're going to go to the NFL and it's all going to work out for you. I say the chances of, like, your NFL career panning out for you or playing out for you are uh, <laughs> uh, pretty slim. It's pretty slim. And you might think, hey, he's talented enough. He's a decent enough name. He could have. Struck out in an NIL deal in college, you know, still playing somewhere. Who's to say he wanted to do that? You know, that's not – maybe that's not the game he wanted to play. Maybe the game he wanted to play is football. Maybe he wanted to do it at the pro level. Uh, Caleb Elby, day two
1: pick. Yeah, I will say that uh, – yeah, so you think he could go day two. I think he slips. Um, but he is projected top ten quarterback by a couple different draft sites. So – where does he fall? Probably somewhere in between where we think he's going to fall. But who knows? So I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody's going to look at him and go, "Okay, he's our guy. He's he's the high potential dude, and we're going to draft him like third round." I just it's not going to happen that early. So I think he definitely stands a pretty strong chance of getting drafted. I think he slips pretty far. But um, on the other hand, someone like Sky Moore, I have a will probably get drafted if drafted at all, will go after Caleb Ellaby. But I like as a prospect, a pro-prospect, really – I like him a lot. Oh, yeah. pro-prospect.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you there. I don't have, like, too much to say. I I mean, I, he's going to be probably, like, right after Dustin Prom, maybe a pick right before Ellaby. Maybe these guys go back-to-back-to-back to back to back picks. But I think Sky Moore is also a day-two pick. Um, I also wanted to throw in one thing about Caleb Bellaby be on the lookout for um you know how you know how people are about quarterbacks and uh <clears throat> uh just quarterbacks that aren't white uh anybody that's out there like overvaluing Caleb Bellaby's uh rushing you know yeah oh yeah he has 13 rushing touchdowns <clears throat> uh 75 yards on 150 attempts you know just do be aware <laughs> um, hey, people overvaluing a half rush per attempt uh people out of this quarterback slot you know just because uh, you know, they don't do research, and uh, you know, other reasons. Be on the lookout.
1: Quick note: I thought you might find interesting. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge even though he's played in every game this year for Seattle. Oh, really? He did. Yeah, I he, he got has hurt for a
0: little bit. So good for him.
1: Well, in most games, I'm sorry, most games for okay. Seattle. Uh, he has had a catch in most of those games, but I mean, you would expect that of a guy who was drafted as high as he was. So the most he's been targeted in the game is four times. And then there's the their game against uh, San Francisco. They he was targeted three times, three catches for thirty five yards. The only that was his only game with a touchdown.
0: Hey man, it's real fucking hard to play.
2: <laughs> it's real fucking hard to
0: just like stand out there and be a decoy.
1: <laughs> that shit's good. Where is have you heard anything about Cleo Pimpleton? Do we know anything about where he's projected? I don't know. I have no idea. He, I mean, or I liked Jim, him. Shit. Or, or Jimmy. If I, Hall. I mean, if I, if I, if I had –
0: listen, if I had a, like, I don't know. If I was a team that was, like, lucky enough to have, like, two, maybe three picks in the third round, I'd use one on him.
1: I feel like between Jimmy Hawk, Lil Pimpleton, and, well, Sky Moore and Jack Sorensen, one of those guys is going to hit – big for somebody oh my god yeah because i really like Sorensen. i've always really liked Sorensen. i think he could be a really productive nfl receiver i don't know if he's going to be but i think he definitely could be jimmy hall i don't really know where he fits but like i think he's just he's just so reliable that he'll find something even Mm -hmm. if he's just like a training camp guy who gets his chance and makes catches here and there pimpleton's so crazy super athletic that he could really find a way in on special teams And maybe coming in as like a third, four, five receiver, whatever, and just getting production here and there. Um, And then obviously, I'm high on Skymore. So obviously, all of those guys, it's very, the likelihood of four MAC wide receivers in one draft working out really well in the NFL is extremely slim. But I feel like somebody is going to be really productive of that group. And if I had to put money on it, I'd say it's Jack Swanson.
0: Hey, who doesn't love him? You know who we haven't said yet? Was the Mac Mac Defensive Player of the Year? We haven't said Ali Fayed's name yet. Yeah. Uh, shit. I, I mean, I, I like every player out of the Mac. Let's let's be one hundred percent clear. Um, Ali Fayad though, man, he is—he's a damn good player, very consistent. Uh, other than the times I believe when he was hurt a little bit, but I know he's going to the East West Shrine Bowl. If you want to watch any of that, probably not. I'm not going to watch it. Um, yeah. I mean, do you have any? Thoughts? It's a podcast. Any opinions about uh, Ali Fayad?
1: Fayad is kind of like – he's kind of got it going against him as he's like the tweener in terms of an edge rusher, right? He didn't weigh in – he weighed in under 260 pounds. Right, yeah. yeah, He's 6'2", 250
0: off Western's website.
1: He's a good enough prospect that – or he's a good enough player that maybe he'll find a role somewhere in a training camp Mm -hmm. and maybe work into something. But I just don't think there's really a good spot for him. And which is interesting, he's been one of the top defensive players in the conference. Really physically imposing type guy in terms of just what he can do with his body for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't see him really finding a spot. Would be fun to be proven wrong because I really, I really liked watching him.
0: Yeah, I mean he, yeah, he's like one of those like undersized like interior uh, defensive linemen that like you have to be like. You know you're going to be like physically imposed like at at the point of the attack at that fucking position. So whatever muscle that he has to bulk up and like get to to like play at that level at that position, it's incredibly just so fun to watch, especially when he like breaks through and makes plays. Um, yeah. Also, you know, from Dearborn, Michigan, so of course I'm going to root for hell like him, uh, root like hell for him. Uh, Jimmy Hall, of course, he's good. I don't know man, I don't I don't I, I got I got no other opinions for the rest of these names on the list other than the fact that uh, Jimmy Hall, who we've talked about was at the end of the last episode we had, is awesome and I love him.
1: Do we think Brent Kovac makes the roster? I don't
0: know, man. Uh, round seven pick for the Lions. That's probably how it's gonna happen. <laughs> You know, all these guys that we talked about that, you know, are going pro, at some point in our lives, we are like, you know, this guy is so good, he is going to make a million bucks one day. He's going to make a million bucks playing football. That's how good he is. You know who else could make a million bucks right now if he just, like, decided to sign on up and come to Ypsilanti, Michigan? Caleb Williams. What's up, baby? What's what? up, baby? Take me out again. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, come interview me. You're paying. Let me Let me interview you. You're paying. There we go. So Charlie Batch, of course, uh, is a booster, blah, blah, blah. Uh, has essentially a million dollars in front of Caleb Williams' face to come and play football for EMU. Uh, a couple days later, Eastern got a quarterback to commit from uh, from Troy, also played at Missouri for a little bit. Uh, has a year of eligibility left. Might be the new QB1, but, hey, there's still a million dollars out for Caleb Williams. You know, the offer still stands. Nick Saban. Ahead of, uh, you know, speaking with the media ahead of the national championship game, said that you know, oh God, I gotta find this tweet that I even sent you. Name, image, and likeness is a positive thing for players. They've got the opportunity to earn money. I don't think that's a bad thing. What is concerning is how that's getting used uh, to get players to decide where they're going to school. I don't think that was the intention. Uh, is Nick Saban competing with Eastern Michigan right now? <laughs> no (laughs) is it is what is the good and what is the bad that like jumps out to you about this whole situation because it's not all good and like it's not like this news didn't come with immediate blowback from players on the roster that were like hey i walked on and i've i'm a thousand yard receiver where's you know where's my deal
2: yeah you know
1: i don't think uh it's a positive development necessarily. It's funny. It's interesting that Charlie Patch did this. Uh, I don't think it's a good thing necessarily. Uh, I will... I think Saban's got a point. I don't want to see bidding wars for players, but in a sport that's basically... basically I mean, what they even... Do, what they, Everything is centered around the best teams and the biggest markets and how and basically treating it like it's professional sports so i don't know why anybody could be surprised if that's where this is headed mm-hmm. um, it still feels better than saying no players can make any money off of anything that feels way worse it's always felt like kind of an injustice honestly right and just taking advantage of labor obviously and just so whatever but I don't know how you really necessarily stop that. I don't think you freaking have legislation. I don't think that Yeah, like, no, there's, like, no,
0: that. like, national standard that the NCAA set. Like, it's all, you know, state laws, school guidelines. Uh, what does Jeremy Darlow got to say about this? Let's check in with him and his group. You know, it's all been deferred out to, like, I don't know, we'll make it up on the fly. And it is the Wild West because there's, like, there's less laws. It's all lawlessness, you know. There's no rules against this. There's no limits that, you know, there's... I shouldn't say there's no limits, but, like, you know, in, in terms of, like, how much uh, Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, Quinn Ewers, how much money they can bring in. If they if they can bring in 25, you know, 25 million over their four or five years in college, hell yeah, do it, man. But, I mean, there's, there's not, like, as many, like, oh, can't do this, can't do that, because... As long as the schools say, yeah, go ahead. If as long as Eastern Michigan say, yeah, bring in the best quarterback possible um, for a million dollars, that's that's cool with us. You know, and I think like you kind of like you kind of brush on it. Like this has all been happening for a long time, but like nobody wants to see it. Like nobody wants to see the bagman working. Nobody wants to see like yeah. Well, you know, we'd rather see like we'd rather not see. Uh, the Charlie Batches of the world the esteemed alumni of any university in America you know all this work of like here's a million dollars oh. can play here at Eastern All here's a million dollars can play at Auburn uh, that's best done in the shadows I think that's just best done in the shadows and we just don't want to see it
1: we just don't want to be. We don't want to see it. Uh, we don't want to be subjected to the underbelly of this dirty. Because sport. why?
0: Because sh- why should I have to trivialize the morality of uh, whether or not this is good or bad? Like this shouldn't have to come down to me. <laughs> I, 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 I sort dark. of I wanna mean be. that.
1: I want to be in the dark. I want to be ignorant. This needs to happen.
0: We joke, but like I, I don't, hundred percent don't mean that. You know what I mean? Like it's sure. <laughs> I don't know. I, I ultimately don't know what to make of this as, like, the future of college football until there is, like, an NCAA that has, like, you know, the cojones enough to step up and say, don't do this anymore, Eastern Michigan or Auburn or USC or wherever in the world. Sure. But I just I just don't see that happening anytime soon. So until then, Eastern's going to do more than, you know, hand out a million dollars to Caleb Williams. Uh, but I'm also reading that news as uh. uh there's a million dollars that EMU's people... I shouldn't say EMU has the money. EMU's people has a million dollars that it wants to spend on the roster in one way or another for the 2022 season. Yeah. That's the way I'm choosing to read it, because it's also a huge-ass publicity stunt. And Eastern needs a publicity stunt if it's ever going to get like some sort of excitement. Uh, a million... like Getting in the news for a million dollars for Caleb Williams... Like, that's – it's working. Good job. Yeah.
1: How, how do you think Chris Creighton feels about that?
0: I don't know. I don't – I've wondered that. Like, is this even the college football that even he would want to see? Like, like he's like 20 years older than me. Like, our opinions <laughs> of football are, like, are very different. Our perspectives are hugely different too. Um, But, yeah, I don't think that this is the Eastern that he came into seeing. But I also – know that like there's no running away from it at this point like if this if you know a lot of things that we kind of ask of like college football college football's people you know going about their business is like how bad do you want it and so if college, if coaching college football is Creighton's true calling how bad do you want it because you have to want college football enough to want to deal with all the NIL shit that he may or may yeah. not want and I'm we're assuming that he may or may not want all this going on but yeah I mean we know that he's not truly itching to just like leave Ypsilanti right now right like so many jobs that like fit the kind of profile of school that he would like to go to right have opened up and closed since he was hired in that he could have Left Eastern in a better place than he found it, and gone on to a new job. And I would, you know, we would all hold no no grudges to him. Uh, he was interviewed at a few places, but obviously nothing's too serious, and he's sticking around to Eastern. Where, meanwhile, the alumni base is drumming up a lot of money to support the school, you know, in multiple ways. Like the game above thing is is really really big. Uh, that group is making a big impact on campus. It's already changed the name of the basketball arena. It's. <laughs> You know, offering Caleb Williams a million dollars to improve its roster right away. Uh, Not only went to, like, finally win a MAC championship game for the first time ever, but one, get there for the first time ever, and two, probably, like, break some freaking records that, you know, oh, the school's first 3,000 passer. Oh, this, I don't know, not the first 3,000 passer, obviously. Ben Bryant just did that. First 5,000-yard passer, first 2,000-yard rusher. Like, Eastern's going to start paying guys... Eastern's people is going to start paying guys to, if they're not going to win the Mac, then be incredibly just dominant on the field. Like I have to feel like that is a mindset that they want to find themselves in, right? Yeah. Uh. But yeah. Yeah. That. That's where I'm at with Eastern uh central lost a whole lot of people to the transfer portal we don't have to get too deep into the weeds with the transfer portal but i do want to talk about central and akron a little bit as well
1: i do appreciate that you're underselling this right now because in the document alex has written uh holy fuck <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that, there's a lot of like all mac talent that just like have left over the past few months uh most recently like troy brown three-time all mac player um should maybe could have been defensive player of the year uh, he's out. George Douglas, he's also out. So both of your good linebackers are out. Both of your good safeties, Devonnie Reed, Willie Reed, they're both out. That ain't good, man. That is just, oh, that's got to suck if you're Central Michigan. Like, that, that defense was so good. And now it's got some holes. It's got some holes. And I trust Jim McElwain to fill him with, like, good transfers, all that stuff. He
1: always does. But, man, that's so oh, good. All that just, hole like Jim awesome. McElwain fill shark holes.
0: You know, good for him for like having the new like viral photo of him be like frosted flakes be dumped all over him in like incredibly great resolution um from whatever camera that was shot from. Mm-hmm. Cuz he needed a new like photo of him going viral and instead of like <laughs> instead of like you know one of not him covering up a shark, it had to be him being covered by frost flakes. Uh, And Akron, I wrote about this a little bit recently in my newsletter. But, I mean, the way that Joe Moorhead's been able to, like, jumpstart the pre-spring season for him with a lot of transfers instead of what Sean Lewis had to do when he was hired across the way just not even five years ago. When Sean Lewis at the time had to, like, get as many good quality unsigned. This is the first year of the early signing period, too. uh, Unsigned high school freshmen to come to Kent State was not an easy task. And Moorhead is able to reconnect with guys that, you know, he might have coached along the way at Oregon, maybe at Mississippi State, uh, want to play with them for one reason or another. Uh, for him to be able to have the transfer portal at his disposal to build a roster at Akron, uh, it's going to make things exciting for the wagon wheel, especially oh. if Lewis stays, which I think he will.
1: Interesting enough that uh, with the transfers coming, like Akron got. A Buffalo linebacker, Tim Terry. Tim Terry, how often do you have inner division transfers?
0: Uh, oh, uh, Anthony Torres. There was a uh, he's, he, you know, Tim Terry of course like saw the field way more than this tight end that I'm thinking of from Western to Toledo, but uh, that's another one that comes to mind. But yeah, I mean, yeah. not not too often. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is what. Oh, this is what coaches were worried about. We're scouting <laughs> each other's sidelines. Like yeah, man, we recruited them both out of high school too. Yeah. We both made the same trip to Shakshawana to see this prospect. Uh Caleb, anything else that you wanna close on in all of this uh Maction, non Maction? Anything else that you wanna speak your piece on? to close out the 2021 season and say hello to the 2022?
1: I will say that the West, I think this, uh, this, this year, the conference is pretty wide open this year in terms of who could win it all. And it, while NIU is going to be in position to win it again, I do think that their like close victories indicate that somebody else could step up and fill, fill the spot at the top of the West. Mm-hmm. So whether that's set, whether that's Central, whether Western finds a way to get back there with some new guys and Reload or something like that, whether that's uh, Central, I don't really know. In the East, I assume Kent State's still going to be toward the top if, as long as Schley or whoever is uh, a quarterback is good, but Miami could gain that spot. I don't have any type of certainty in Miami who's going to win the conference next year, and I say that even knowing that NIU proved at the end that they were playing the best football at the end of the season. So it yeah. uh, feels wide open again. Which is nice. I like that. I like I like the feeling that this feels very wide open again. Wow.
0: You know who I'm. You know who I'm going to say is. Uh, is going to be the the MAC championship setup of 2022, right? Give it to me. Well, it's the same as I should say it is every year.
2: Akron versus Eastern. Shut up.
0: And boom goes the dynamite.